you'll hear today from my wife, Christy, who is the uh, senior mother. Yeah. And we honor you for your role and what you do, not only in this house, but in, in overseeing houses. You're, you're a blessing beyond what you know. And I hear that all the time, and we just re relay that to you today, and, and we honor you. And today we also get to hear from our creative worship pastor's wife, my daughter, Allie Verkirk. They're back from vacation and all rested and ready to go, ready to kick the devil in the teeth. Amen. And you'll also hear today from our Connections pastor's wife, Brittany, Brittany Hollis. And uh, they've, they've got some stories to tell, and I'm just excited to hear how God is going to use them today. And also, you're going to hear from our accounting administrator, Penny Eichner. Uh, Penny's in the house, and I know a bit of her story. And if she shares that, God is going to use her to minister to you in a very powerful way. So would you welcome with me some of the mothers of the house? Thank you, baby. Now you sit down and take notes. <laughs> Before we get started this morning... I have a special honoring I would like to do today. There has been a lady that has walked into this church for years. She has walked into this church and behind her are three more generations of her family. She has walked in as a woman of God. She has children and grandchildren all over the nation. And she is a woman that has stood strong in the midst of a lot of life. A lot of life has happened in this woman's life. And I want to give honor, sorry, I have a basket case today, but you know, <laughs> I'm a woman, I get away with it. I want to give honor to her today. And Kelly Kelly, she is the most wonderful wood person in the world, if you ever want anything with wood. She is incredible. She's famous. She's in all the big magazines. <laughs> Kelly Kelly, just stand real quick, because you're the one who did this. Yay. If you want to know someone famous, just go by and touch her. She, she made this fantastic cheese board. I love this. She came to me and she said, Christy, I have a special gift. And I said, you know what? I want to ponder on that for a little bit. And I want to see who, who that is going to go to. And God just so laid on my heart. And she inscribed on it. She said, her children rise up and call her blessed. Which is Psalms, I mean, Proverbs, sorry, Proverbs 31, 28. And if cheese never goes on this... It don't matter. And I want to give honor today. Rick, would you bring your mama? 
Chad. Come on, bring the next generation. Amen. Well deserved. Well deserved. Four generations. This is my mom. This is her son, Rick. This is his son, Chad. And this is his daughter, Nora Ray. And I know you had to get up from your naps in order to be a part. This is four generations in this church that come every single week. that walk into the door to say, what can I do to be a better person, to do a better world that we live in? And Carol, I just, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for what you stand for. I watch you every week. I honor you. Thank you. And uh, I love you. And I present you with this cheese board. Now, on it goes cheese and grapes. <laughs> I love you. Love you too. She has four children, 13 grandchildren, no, 12, 12 grandchildren. grandchildren, and almost 13 great-grandchildren. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> ah, I love you. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mum. How many Mum's do we have in here? Oh, are you? No, no, no. How many call you Mum? Are you serious? No. How many Mookies? <laughs> how many Mimi's? Okay, how many grandmas? Okay, ma? Grandmom. Ma. Mom. How many moms? How many mommies? Wasn't that a sad day when they changed from mommy to mom? When my boys started calling me mom, I went, no! I'm still mommy. And for a long time, I tried to correct them. No, 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 that's not my name. No, 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 no. My name is mommy. And finally, Greg said, Greg, or Christy, give it up. <laughs> They're going to high school. They cannot call you mommy anymore. <laughs> nah, it's not true. Not true, not true. I let them call me mom from the age of 10, maybe. Mother's Day. Mother's Day is a day that is celebrated across America. It's probably one of the hardest days to decide on a given day what all is being celebrated. Because see, I know in this room today, there are moms in this room that are thrilled to death for today. 
You woke up today, your husband brought you coffee in bed, they brought you flowers, and everything is rosy. I mean, you're going to go for lunch, and life is wonderful. Then I know there are moms that woke up today, and it's not a really good day for you. You're really struggling today. And then I know that there are children today that, see, everybody, isn't this amazing today, but everybody in this room today, let me know when you're going to take it so I can. <laughs> you know, every week I see Landon and Isaiah and Greg, you know, they're in the pose, you know. Make sure you get a good one. <laughs> the side view is a lot better than the front view, okay? <laughs> if it's bad, Zeke, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> ah. Sorry, I got totally sidetracked. <laughs> Mother's Day. There are children. See, every single one of us in this room today have a mom. Every single one. This isn't like, oh, this isn't for you. Or, sorry, today is not for you. No, every single one of us in this room have a mom. We're all people that have a mother. And there are those in this room today that you want to celebrate your mom. There are others in this room that you don't want to celebrate your mom. There are those in this room that maybe you don't even know who your mom is. So many different dynamics, even in this room today. See, Jesus decided at the very early onset of the world, that he created man and woman, mom and dad. And that's from the very beginning, beginning of time. Now, Nora Ray, listen, you were used. Now, that's enough. <laughs> and I totally messed up Janine for the day. I'm so sorry, Janine. Chad's like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> Brother, so many distractions. Life. What is mom all about you today? Where does all that fit in your life today? What are you celebrating today in your life as a daughter or a son or a mom yourself? What, what is that celebration that you are doing today or what is that that you are trying to grasp onto of what Mom Mother's Day is all about? In my life, I was a little girl, and I had a dream. And my dream was to have a lot of babies and to raise them. And life was going, I thought my life would be behind a white picket fence. And, well, not really, because I like the stucco look. So the white picket fence wouldn't look good behind the stucco. But, you know, all of that, I had a dream of what my life was going to look like as one, a little girl growing up. And then I married Greg Hollis. And my life turned upside down. And all of a sudden, the life of mommyhood and the life of Christy didn't look the same as all of my dreams and thoughts. 
all of a sudden I was married to him and he was following the call of God on his life. And you know, that is a very unique way to live. It is, period. It's just a unique way to live. And he woke up one day and he said, the Lord is leading us to Trinidad, West Indies. This is after we had been youth pastors for a few years in Kansas. And I thought, okay, we're going to go. I went from Pennsylvania to Kansas, and now I'm going to go to Trinidad, West Indies. And we thought it was going to be forever. When we got there, in six months' time, I got pregnant. And I woke up that morning, and I, I knew I was pregnant, and I looked at Greg and said, we're going to have a baby. And I knew, I said, I don't know if we can have a baby here in Trinidad. We lived right next to the sewer, which the rats were probably this big than the tail. I mean, we were living in Trinidad, West Indies. We weren't there to, uh, we were there to change the world. But all of a sudden, I was going to have a baby. And I thought, I don't think I can have a baby here. And I said, God, you have to lead and guide us somewhere else. Put the call of God somewhere else besides Trinidad, West Indies. And he did. He listened. You know, sometimes God obeys. We came stateside and came to Iowa. Had my firstborn, Elijah Tyrone. I wanted to keep the uh, Trinidad, West Indies in his name, so it's Elijah Tyrone. He was two months preemie because we moved back. And during those, in those days, you could take whatever you wanted to on the airplane as long as it fit. And so I moved back from Trinidad. I had a boom box. I had a TV. I had like five or six different carry-ons. And by the time I got back to stateside, I almost lost my baby. And I had to go to bed. I had to go to the couch. And uh, two, he was born two months early. And uh, he came into this world screaming and screamed for an entire month and never stopped. And all of a sudden, I was, I, I'll remember it. Be, I mean, I looked at Greg and I said, who thought of this idea? <laughs> who in their right mind wants to have a baby? This isn't the dream I thought of. He's not perfect. What is going, why is he screaming? Doesn't he realize who his mother is? <laughs> we took him to the chiropractor and he stopped screaming. Just a little plug for chiropractors. When Isaiah was born, the chiropractor came with me to the hospital. <laughs> I said, please come. And as soon as he comes out of the canal, adjust him. My second born was born 23 months later. And when my firstborn came out and we got all the uh, adjustments and all that, he settled into a, Elijah is my, he is my child that he could live in his room if he had a hundred little men. And he could live in that room for days because his imagination was wild. He had though he built so many forts for those little men and did all that and I would go and look in the doorway and he was 
oh, he was playing so nicely with his little men and doing all of that. I got pregnant again, and from the moment of conception, I knew this child was different. <laughs> I knew my life will never be the same. And I would go to Elijah's room door, and I would watch him play with his little toys. I would just stand there and smile as my stomach was going like this with the baby inside saying, let me out! Isaiah Threll was born to our home, and our life has never been the same. <laughs> he came out. He wasn't screaming. He was talking and moving. And he has never stopped to this day. <laughs> Isaiah is the type of kid that he didn't want to be inside. He wanted to be outside. He wanted things with, if you were around Roman, his favorite thing is, well, he learned it from the best. Because that's all Isaiah ever wanted. He just wanted to go. He wanted to be outside. Stay in his room? Are you kidding me? I'm not staying in my room. I'm going outside. The kid never stopped talking. We would set the timer and say, Isaiah, you're not allowed to talk for the next five minutes. <laughs> he would never stop talking. He would talk nonstop. He always had questions. He always wanted to go. At the church that we were uh, youth pastors at at that time in Iowa, they had a daycare. And be, us being the, uh, the youth pastors, the, we could send our kids for free. And so I went to him and I said, hey, you know what? Mommy has a great idea. How about a couple of days going to daycare? All your friends will be there. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yes, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. So I said to Greg, I said, Greg, how about let's take them down to daycare just so I can have a few days by myself. <laughs> so I went down there. Well, day one came. I went to pick him up, and he came out. He was hopping mad. He comes out. He gets in my car. He, I said, Isaiah, how'd it go, buddy? He goes, I hate that. They made me take a nap. <laughs> and he's looking at me and he goes, and just so you know, I'm not going back. <laughs> I would look at Greg and I would beg him, please take him to daycare just for the day so that I can get something done. He continued every single day. I never sent him back, of course. Yes, I was a good mother, um, good mommy. But let me tell you, that kid swallowed a lot of soap. <laughs> I know, report me. But I would squirt that Dawn in his mouth. And I would tell him how he will not sass his mother. And that someday, God was going to get a hold of his tongue and change the world through that tongue. He would bend over the sink, gagging himself silly. And I would say, that's exactly right. God is in charge. And he will get a hold of your tongue. And then he'd sass me again. Bend over that thing. Almost five years later, we got pregnant again. And I wanted a little girl so bad. 
I actually read a book on how to have a little girl. <laughs> I don't want to go too far, but I, <laughs> I would call Greg at the office and say, okay, Greg, come home right now, right now. The temperature, whatever it says to have a girl, you got to come home right now. Hurry, hurry, get in the car. When Allie was born, we always kidded her because we say, we don't know if you're from the book or from God. <laughs> Allie was born to us. We had a youth group of about 150 to 200 kids at the time. Life was wonderful. We had a beautiful home. Greg had actually put in a pool. We, we, were, we were living a very um, comfortable life. And God said, okay, you've been comfortable too long, time to move. And he, he put us out on the road as evangelists. Now, evangelists, let me explain to you what evangelist is. It's a, it's a person who goes from church to church proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what God brought us to do. And so we bought a fifth wheel. We bought a, a truck. I was a truck mama for 12 years. Yeah, I even drove a semi-truck. Now, when I would show up at the grocery store and get out of the semi-truck with my three kids, I would get the comments like you never believed. What in the world are you doing in a semi-truck? We lived in the 40-foot fifth wheel with my mom and dad and three children. Allie was two weeks old when we left our home and our position, and we went and started a new life for the next 12 years of living on the road. Now, I don't know if a lot of you, I, I thought when I was preparing today, I said, I just want to give you snippets because your pastor and his wife are very weird, and I just want to give you a little bit of insight on the weirdity of your pastor and his wife. We started our journey that day. We had Allie in her little car seat. We had Elijah looking out the front seat, crying his eyes out because he was leaving his friends. We had Isaiah who couldn't fathom that he gets to go someplace new every day. He was thrilled to death. <laughs> he was like, wow. And our next 12 years, we started a journey of raising our children in a 45th wheel with only us doing the world, allowing God to, to use us in mighty ways. Our three children lived in an eight by eight space, eight foot by eight foot space. Allie was on a futon chair underneath the, uh, the desk. When we finally moved into our house 12 years later, Allie, it took her a year, almost two years, to even go upstairs by herself because she, was, she lived under a desk for 12 years. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there was an upstairs. And she said, no, the boogeyman lives upstairs. I ain't going upstairs without you. All of these different things. I, I, and I'm, I'm, get, I'm telling you a few of the... Um, Oh, I mean, I could stand up here and say how wonderful my children are because they all three of them are. 
But I want you to understand today that we all have a story to tell. Every single one of us has our own story. You have your story. You have your story. I have my story. I just happen to have the microphone so I could tell mine. But we all have a story to tell today about what it really looks like as mom. You see, we come to church, and we've all come to church, and we're all look nice. I even wore my exceptionally high heels today. And we're, we're all, we all come in, and we're all, we're all good. But we just left a house where maybe things weren't just all hunky-dory dandy. And maybe some conversations have had to happen. And maybe life got a little bit tough this week. And you see, what happens during this time is sometimes it's harder to get yourself relit. And as I was thinking about all this a couple weeks ago, the idea came about candles. Because you see, candles do a lot of stuff. I tried to find the biggest candle I could. <laughs> candles do a lot of things. They have fragrance. They have light. And in the midst of the darkness, when your lights go out, the first thing you did is usually is, I know there's flashlights, but go with me here. You light a candle. You light a candle because it shines light in the midst of the darkness. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on with that. Because as you light it, it brings a lot of stuff into the light. And so today, candles. I want you to understand the light of a candle. And as moms today, sometimes in life, we go through some tough situations, and all of a sudden, there's no more light. And we walk around in darkness. I don't know, maybe it was something that the children did, something that the kids said. Sometimes we didn't have doors in the camper, so they couldn't slam them. Um, but you get the slam door, you get the I hate you, and all of a sudden, it's not going with the dream that you had. All of a sudden, you're like, no, wait a minute, hey, 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 when I was a little girl and a teenager, I dreamed about you, and this isn't what I thought of. And something happens to you, and you get a backbone again, and you relight your candle. Because in the middle of the darkness, come on, come on, come on. You're not going to make me stay in the dark for very long. I can, you can only blow out my candle for, for such a time. And then wouldn't you know Something major happens. See, it's easy to say, yeah, life, 
blew out my candle. But what happened? I don't want to blow the wax. What happens when a real storm comes to your life? What happens when all of a sudden the turned into this windstorm that you saw coming and it comes right to, the can, to your light and tries to snuff you out? And see, God already told me today that there will be ladies in this church that your light's always been, already has been snuffed out. And God says, not on my watch. Not on my watch today. Today, uh-uh. This mama bear is rising to the top to say, hey, not on my watch. God has a life for us. And what happens during those times? What, what do we do? Where, where do I go? I go to my knees. And I'm not getting down there today because I'll never be able to get back up. <laughs> but I go to my knees. And I've been on my knees a, long, a lot of times. This last year, I've been on my knees a lot. I am, I will be almost, I am almost 58 years old. I know. In that 58 years, let me just tell you, there's been a lot of, a lot of pretty yucky days. You don't see them. You don't, you don't, you don't, maybe you hear about them, maybe. <laughs> but you don't see them on a daily basis. I do. My kids do. Greg does. And sometimes you see the storms of life coming to put your light out. You see it coming from a, from a distance. What do we do with that? We get on our knees before God. And that's where we stay. You know, so many times in life we say, oh, my goodness, where, where's my answer? What am I going to do? God is the one who has the answer. But sometimes we don't want to take the time to let him work. Sometimes we don't want to say, oh, God, is this all? We try to fix it ourselves. Guess what? We can't. We can't fix it ourselves. One year ago, this Tuesday, today's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, one year ago, I had half of my tongue removed. I had my lymph nodes taken out. I had my cancer removed out of my tongue. It will be one year Tuesday. kicking the devil that's right and guess what I went to the doctor two weeks ago and I am still cancer-free in fact Penn, Penn Hospital kicked me out I can't even go there for my MRIs anymore because they said oh you can't come here anymore because you don't have cancer that just means I got to go local. But I've been kicked out of the system. It's like, wow. One year ago, you know, 
when we go through things in life, they make a difference. Raising children, the tough days, they make a difference. When I was getting ready to have surgery, Richie and Donna and Laura, they brought me a gift. And in that gift was my, because I wasn't going to be able to talk. <laughs> I wasn't going to be able to talk for a while, and so I had to write everything down on a chalkboard. So they brought me this really cool thing with the magic markers. And Laura had written on it she, my scripture verse, and it says, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Amen. Psalm 118, 17. I put that down in my living room. And as you can see, I never used the chalkboard because I did not want to erase what my motto is for the rest of my life. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Let me just tell you, church, being a mom today, being a woman, being that that, that God has created, we have a job to do. And sometimes that, that job is not easy. Sometimes that job honestly stinks. Sometimes we face life and those decisions and those things that we have to face Sometimes they're hard. Last year was a pretty crappy year. Sorry, my children are always saying, don't use that word crap. But let me just tell you, it was a crappy year. And there were some days that I had a hard time getting up. I remember the day that Greg, I was out by the pool, my backyard, and I was, my shoulders were stomped so, so low. And he comes outside, he goes, Christy, what are you doing? I said, I'm so sad. I can't get up. This is for real. I know, I know. I can't get up. It's just so hard, Greg. And I'm telling you, he came around that corner, and he comes over, and he goes, that's enough. Christy, get up. Get up. You are not going to live like that in this household. Get up. And I was like, no, you don't have cancer. You don't know what it feels like. I'm allowed to be like this. I said, not on my watch. Not in this house. Get up. Get up. And it was like, I went, <laughs> you know, your spankings really worked when their kids were still going. <laughs> I rose. I rose. I rose. Because I will not die, but live to tell what the Lord has done. And I'm telling you, there is a mama in this room. There is somebody in this room that you need to hear that. Get up. 
Get up. Rise. Rise to the occasion. I'm mom. And as far as me and my house, this is what we're going to do. And sometimes you can't fight the battle, but only on your knees. Sometimes you can't fix what life is all about. Sometimes life is really yucky. And you can't fix it. Oh, I've tried. You can't. You get on your face before God. And you let God minister to you through you. You get into his word. You look at his word and you obey what it says. Because during those times, God always speaks. Always. Always speaks. I will not die, but I will live and tell the world what my God has done. Happy Mother's Day. And we will shout from the mountains. Can we give it up one more time for Mama Bear? I think we all ought to just sit down and be done after that. What do you guys think? <laughs> she killed it. Well, going along with the whole candle theme today, I wanted to talk about expectation. And so, you know when you bring home a brand new candle and you have this expectation of it's going to smell so amazing, I'm going to light this candle and it's going to make my whole house smell perfect. People are going to walk in and say, oh, have you been baking all day? What's that smell? And you bring it home, but I never bake. So everyone knows that's definitely not the case. But anyways, so you bring it home, you light the candle. And I have two dogs, two very big dogs who smell absolutely horrifying most of the time. Um, and so I always would light like five or six candles because that would really kind of mask the smell. But you get that expectation, you light the candle, and in my household, I'd light the candle and then I'd come in the room and I'd go, it would be a mix of beauty and a mix of stench kind of whirled into one. And I'd be like, oh man, and my expectation would go completely out the window of what that candle smelled like. And that is completely like motherhood. We get this expectation of, oh, I'm going to have the perfect family. I'm going to have kids that are going to be amazing. I'm never going to have to yell. I won't have to raise my voice. Everyone's just going to follow along like little ducklings, and we're just going to live the perfect life. And then reality hits you. And it could be before you even have your kids, and you find out that something is wrong with your baby or after they're born, something is wrong with your child, or they come out, and your expectation of perfection and no arguments, everyone's going to listen. Your, your husband and you are just going to be hand-in-hand hand raising your kids to perfection. It goes out the window because reality sets in. And somehow, in our minds, as mommies, we think it's all our faults. Somehow, we did something wrong, and that's why we were handed that hand but I'm here to tell you today that that is not the case. Not the case at all. For instance, um, <laughs> take for instance this last week, Landon and I, we were away on vacation. <clears throat> we went to Florida for a few weeks to get away. 
because Landon, he needs to, you know, get out and let his mind all go happy so we can have a happy life at home. And so, <laughs> just kidding, it's great. It really is great. Um, <laughs> that sounded terrible, and I didn't mean to say that because it really is not true. It really is wonderful. Anyway, so Jake, for instance, we went on our trip to uh, Florida, and when we got there, we decided um, that we wanted to do a family photo shoot because we did it a couple years back, and we loved it. It was so much fun. Anchor was just a wee little baby, you know, so he was wonderful. So we had this expectation. We get in the car. We're already all dressed up. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is going to be perfect. I have a perfect little family. Everyone just looks so cute. And I'm getting there. We're waiting in the car. And then we get a knock on the door. The photographer is there. And the first thing she says to me is, wow, you are so brave for bringing a two-year-old on a photo shoot. And I look at Landon, and I'm like, she doesn't know us. You know, he's going to be fantastic. We have the perfect little family. Had this high expectation of perfection. And, oh, wouldn't you know that what she said absolutely came true. In fact, I have a couple pictures here. I have a picture of what my expectation of what this photo shoot was going to look like. This was going to be the way our photo shoot was going to go. It's going to be perfect. We we're all going to be smiling and happy. And then reality set in. And this is what it actually looked like. <laughs> now... When I tell you every bit of this picture is the truth, this is Landon looking at me going, get your kid under control, woman. And I'm looking at Anchor, and I guarantee in this photo, I'm saying, Anchor, are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me. I wrote my photographer the other day, and I said, any chance you have any photos of Anchor pitching a fit during our thing? And she wrote back, absolutely. I have tons of them. <laughs> I was like, oh, perfect. That's great, because I want to use it in my sermon on Sunday. So anyways... Then reality set in, and this is what it actually ended up looking like. So we have this picture of what our expectation is going to be, and then reality. And hang on, let me just make sure I'm going where I want to go here. God called us as mommies and as parents in Proverbs 22, 6, to train a child in the way he should go so that when he grows up, he will not depart from it. And God did not call us women to be perfect mommies, to have no messy moments. No, he didn't call us to be perfect. He called us to train our children in the way they should go. He, he gave us what we need so that as mommies, we can lead and guide them. Does that mean that life is going to be perfect and that we're going to have no messy moments? Absolutely not. But as long as we are giving it to God and allowing him to take that verse and instill it in us so we can wake up every morning and instill in our kids what he has called us to do, that's what it's all about. Perfection, that can go out the window. Don't even let that expectation press you down. Because a lot of times when we have that expectation in our lives, it incorporates fear and anxiety and all that of, oh, I got to be perfect. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's not worth that. God did not call us to be perfect. He called us to lead and guide our children in ways that he has called us to do. One of the coolest things um, that I learned at a women's conference was this woman got up, I think it was Lisa Turkhurst. That's her, right? Lisa Turkhurst. Um, she said uh, that a gentle whisper in the morning is, that, is better than a shout from the world. And what she was saying was that every morning we need to get up and get in our words 
and ask God every morning, Lord God, what do you have for me today? What do you have for my kids and me? And instead of waking up and turning on the TV or going straight to social media and looking in on what everyone else's life looks like, because as you can tell from my pictures, what I posted was definitely not how it came through. And so I want to challenge you women today that as you wake up in the mornings, get in God's word. Ask him what he wants for you for that day, what he wants you to instill into your children, to train them up, and allow him to just come in and let your mind and expectation go out the window and allow him to fill you up with who he is. And I want you all to know that you are amazing moms. I have one of the greatest moms in all the world. Mom, I love you. I want to say thank you. Yeah, <laughs> give it up for mom. I really do. I would not be who I am today if you didn't set that motto in your life to wake up and pray over us. And I'm very, very grateful that you put that into me so that way I can do that for my own family. So mamas, you go for it. You're amazing. You're awesome. And train those kids up. All right, Lenny. Thank God I'm done. Can't stop that, girl. Wow, can you give it up for Allie one more time? Wow. It's so funny because I actually have a picture of Isaiah on our family vacation, just like that. You want to throw that up there? Zay, throwing his fit? No. <laughs> just like that one. So weird. I just want to take just a couple minutes and um, speak into you moms a little bit. Um, something that's very near and dear to my heart. But before I do that, I just want to give you a little bit of insight. I, I saw this little article quote going around social media, and I just have to share it because it's just incredible. This is how to be a mom in 2017. Are you ready? How to be a mom in 2017. Okay, here we go. Make sure your children's academic, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, and social needs are met while being careful not to overstimulate, understimulate, improperly medicate, helicopter, or neglect them in a screen-free, process-free, GMO-free, negative energy-free, plastic-free, body-positive, socially conscious, egalitarian, but also authoritative, nurturing but fostering of independence, gentle but not overly permissive, pesticide-free, two-story, multilingual home, preferably in a cul-de-sac with a backyard and one and a half siblings spaced at least two years apart for proper development. And also, don't forget the coconut oil. <laughs> My goodness. How to be a mom in 2017. Now, how to be a mom in literally every generation before ours. Feed them sometimes. And this is why I do not fit in with the moms of my generation. And my sister and I joke about it all the time because all these moms got their kids eating like quinoa and kale chips and our kids are eating Reese's Puffs off the kitchen floor and whatever they find in the couch that day. And we're perfectly fine with that. And I just somehow don't seem to fit in. These moms are like their kids are throwing fits in the river, they're doing namaste and my wooden spoon's falling out of my diaper bag as I'm like trying to pick it up, chase after Roman. But when I think about this candle, Allie really set it up beautifully. Expectations. You have an expectation of a candle. You light it. It's supposed to give off light, scent. 
But what happens, like what Christy said, when it doesn't go your way? What, what happens when it gets blown out? What happens when you have failed expectations? And I just want to talk to you just for a minute about not allowing your failed expectations to become your chains. It's because when I went into motherhood, I had expectations. You find your hunky man, and then you have a few kids, and you move on with life. And I tell you, at 23 years old, I, I didn't expect the doctor to look at me and tell me that it probably wasn't possible for me to have a baby, that my body just wasn't set up that way. But God, because a year later, I did have my miracle baby girl. Then when trying for baby number two, I didn't expect going into my eight-week ultrasound that the ultrasound tech would look at me and say, I am so sorry, but your baby's gone. Failed expectation again. Six months after that, I didn't expect to lose my second baby in a miscarriage. You, you know, you go into life with these expectations, and I worked really, really hard at not putting on chains on myself after having failed expectations. But how many of us do do that? That we take on life, and when we failed our expectations, we put on the chains. God doesn't put the chains on us. We put them on ourselves. And I just want to share with you today that it's so important that us as moms, as women, learn to live in the freedom that God has designed for us to live in. See, he hasn't designed us to put chains on. That's the enemy messing with your mind and messing with who you are. God has designed us to walk and to live in freedom as moms. If I would go by that moms of 2017, oh, my nerves. Every one of them be a chain. I don't fit into any of that. They'd all be filled expectations. But we're designed to walk in freedom, and this hits home so hard for me because I went through a time in my life where I did not have freedom. And I walked around just fine. I looked fine. But on the inside, I was in a fetal position. And sometimes you don't even realize it as moms that you're not walking in freedom. You're trying so hard just to, just to keep up with the next mom or do the next thing or have your kids be like their kids. And I went through a period in my life where I did go through a time where I was bound by chains that I had put on myself. And sometimes you don't even realize that you're chained because it comes out in other words. It comes out in other forms. Fear, anxiety, intimidation, depression, worry, doubt. Man, I put them all on myself. Fear, the situation in my life. And this situation that I went through was completely removed from being a mom. But because I put the chains on myself, it was pouring out into every aspect of my life, and it was pouring out into the way I was a mom. Fear, I was fearful, put that chain right on me. Worry, put that right on myself. Intimidation, I was intimidated. I was doubtful. I was anxious. And how many of us moms walk around with the chains that we put on ourselves every single day? And God wants you to know today that he has not designed you to live like that. He has designed you to walk in his freedom. And where his spirit is, that's where you find his freedom. And just like Christy said, that's the minute you get on your knees and you get in his presence 
and in his spirit and find his freedom for your life. I, um, I'm, I love candles, and I especially love Yankee candles. And so I went to the um, Yankee candle store one day, and I was telling the girl that when I lit my candle, like after it would burn about halfway down and I would light it, it would start to give off like this black smoke. Have you ever had that happen to your candles? It like gives off the soot and all. She was like, well, are you trimming the wick? I was like, no. I trim the wick. She's like, well, we have this wick trimmer and it's only like $15. And it's this special little thing you stick in the thing. I said, well, I have to have that. Put it in my bag. So on the way home, I called my mom. I'm like, mom, did you know that you have to trim the wick on your candle to get it, you know, to a, all this great stuff? And I bought this wick trimmer and you have to go and get one. She's like, Britt, yes, I know you trim the wick. And I use my kitchen scissors. And I just get in there and I trim the wick with my kitchen scissors. <laughs> I said, so we're not going to tell Isaiah about the $15 wick trimmers <laughs> that I just purchased. We're just going to slip those <laughs> in the drawer, and he's not going to know about that. But, you know, it got me thinking. Just as you have to trim down the wick of a candle to allow it to be used at its fullest potential, to allow the scent to really rise, to allow it to not give off that soot, you got to trim it down for the light to shine bright. Sometimes God wants to do that in us. Sometimes he wants to trim us down. Sometimes God has some pruning that he wants to do in our lives. And it's up to us to look deep inside of us and say, God, what, what is it in me that you need to prune? Because I, I needed that when I was going through my season of not finding freedom. I, I needed to look deep inside and say, okay, God, what do you need to prune in me and trim in me to get me to my fullest potential because it is not about me. It is all about him. It has nothing to do with us. But moms, God has a plan for you. And he wants to use you at your fullest potential, at your fullest brightness, to give your fullest scent. Your families need you, and the enemy wants to take you out. And so don't allow your failed expectations to become your chains. Allow God to prune you and mold you and make you. And know that you want to put an expectation on something, put an expectation on God. Yeah. Expect that he's never going to leave you. Yeah. Expect that he's never going to forget about you. And he's never going to stop loving you because that's an expectation that will never fail you. Because he sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And he wants you to take your shackles off and let him turn them into your story. That's hard to follow. Well, as Christy said and everyone else, we all have a story. And my story is not like their story, just like your story is not like mine. Um, my story started when I was six years old. And God picked up our family. We moved from Maryland to Texas. And I couldn't find my cowboy hat today, but I would have worn it, I promise you, because there is a little bit of um, hick in me, so to speak. And um, moving to Texas changed our life. We left all our family. We had no friends. And, you know, as a kid at six years old, you go where your parents go. You do what they do. 
And we got into a church, and Vacation Bible School came, and I was led to the Lord at seven years old. It was a great thing. I did have an uncle and aunt that did live a little bit away from us, and I would go to their house because my uncle was a ranch hand manager for one of the wealthiest farmers. I mean, like, he raised, um, like, thoroughbred horses, and all the horses had air-conditioned stalls, gold-plated names. I mean, they were just amazing. And we would go, I got to go, to exercise the horses. And so they would do that sometimes, and then other times we had to tend to the cattle. And I thought, this is cool. You know, I like this. I love putting on my boots, riding, getting dirty, whole nine yards. And one day it was time to do something I'd never done before. And I thought, okay, I'm going, I'm excited. And they put all the cattle in a pen, and then all of a sudden, they started putting them in this little chute. And I was like, hmm, what are they doing? And they take this big, long iron pole, and, and they, but they squeeze them first, you know. And they brand them on their left hip, okay? And I was like, whoa, that's some serious stuff. That's painful. Look at those cows. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, I'm, I'm probably about eight years old at that time, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's scary. But then I, my uncle's like, come on, come on, you can do it. I couldn't even lift the iron rod because I was so weak and little. But he said, grab a hold, and I'll help you because you got to know what it's like. So we lifted it up out of the fire, and I felt it touch the cattle's hip, and the smell of burning flesh just came into me. And I was like, whew, that doesn't smell too good. I, it almost made me nauseous. I remember the day. And I thought, gosh, that's interesting. And I said, why do we do that? Why do we do that? That's so horrible. And he said, there's three reasons why we do it. He said, ownership tells everybody who owns it. He said, second, for protection. Nobody can steal it. Third, separation. Because all animals and everyone is separated. And I thought, boy, that's interesting. So here I am, I'm eight years old, living my life, doing my thing. I go back to the farm one day and I'm out by the lake and I am staring straight eye to eye with a water moccasin. And I'm thinking, oh. And it starts slithering up, chasing me down the edge of the water line. And I know I about peed myself, I'm sure. And out of nowhere, I was standing and I heard this and my uncle came around the corner 
and killed the snake. Couldn't chase me no more. Okay? So with that being said, at that point in time, my life started to change drastically. I didn't know why. But I was started on a path of thinking, hmm, what's happening? For four years of my life, almost every day of my life, I was molested from the time I was eight until I was 12 years old. And I didn't know that what I was doing was wrong because it happened to everybody that I was with. Everybody, all the neighborhood kids. And I just thought it was the thing we did. Didn't know any different. 12 years old, my parents decided to move. We moved to Arizona. I didn't know that what I was doing, remember, was wrong. So I go to school, and I'm thinking, these kids are not like me, and they don't do what I do, and they haven't had the life that I've had, okay? And another thing that you need to know is that every single picture ever taken of me prior to being eight years old, I had a baby doll in my hand. In my lap, I had like six of them. I was patting them on their butt, you know, taking care of them because all I ever wanted to do was be a mom. That's it. It was my heart. It was my soul. It's, I mean, I wanted to adopt all the kids and all the baby dolls. And I said, if you're throwing your baby doll away, give it to me because I'll take care of it. So over the course of many years, this sounds crazy. I am only 46, okay, today. I have moved 39 times. I have gone to 13 schools. And so with that being said, I crave stability, security, and just peace, you know? So I, I was one of those crazy kids. We'd move, and I could not go to bed until everything in my room was in its place, had its place, because I couldn't sleep. I needed to feel secure. I'm still the same way, you can ask my kid. Everything has a place, and everything's in its place. So I lived life, worked through some things, and just really didn't know who I was. Even though my family went to church, I couldn't figure out, what is my purpose? What is the plan here, God? What are you doing? Struggled as a teenager. I, I didn't talk for two weeks, two to three weeks, every single time we moved. I was like, oh, I hate this. I'm not going to make friends because we just always leave them. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to be quiet. Well. I got out of that and then became like a motor mouth and kind of got in trouble, you know, because I couldn't shut up. But needless to say, I turned to men for, to find some sort of security and, and like, I just was like, okay, I want to get married, I want to have kids, da 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 Well, what happens? I wind up pregnant at 18 years old I wanted to be a mom, but I was a disgrace to my family because nobody in this family gets pregnant out of wedlock. You're only 18 years old, 
So of course, I couldn't say anything. So my family didn't know anything about what happened to me when I was a kid. Then they didn't know I was pregnant. And I just kept up this vicious cycle of holding everything in, not telling anybody, but taking care of it myself. So what did I do? I took care of it. I took care of it. Not God, me. I made a choice. It wasn't an easy choice. It was one I regretted, and I still think about it, but not near as often. I think that if that child was alive today, they'd be 26 years old. And who would that child be? What would that child be doing? Would that child have their own family? I don't know. God knows. Then, after that, <laughs> I, th I thought, okay, I'm going to do it right again. I just kept getting back on the wheel. And I said, God, you've got to move. And he did. And he sent me to Colorado. And I went to Bible college for four years, gave my life 100%, didn't look to the left, didn't look to the right, started going on missions trips all around the world. And I thought, this is it. God, I love this. I love serving you. You are the ultimate. And I thought, okay, this is good. Where's my husband? Come on, God. Where's that godly man? I know he's out there. And I got so impatient. Once again, I took over. I said, I'm going to find me a man if it's the last thing I do. So, found a man, fell in love, found out I was pregnant. I was like, dang, this is it. Okay, we're going to get married. We're going to have this baby. It's going to be the greatest thing. And he says, oh, heck no. He said, can you get rid of it? Come on. We don't need this. We have a great life. You know, we make incredible money. We get to do whatever we want to do. We don't need a kid. I said, you know what? I can't do that. He goes, give it up for adoption. I said, mm, I can't do that. I'm 30 years old. I can't do that. He's like, come on. I said, no. He said, well, I'm not in this. I said, okay. She was two months and five days old. I took everything we owned and I moved. I took that baby with me and I said, it's just me and you. It was a hard decision, but it was the right decision. And I think about that day <laughs> when there was this moment in time when I thought, who am I, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna keep her to keep him? Or am I, you know, I mean, am I gonna get rid of her to keep him? Or am I gonna keep her 
and do what I know is right. I've already made this mistake once. And I had a five-year-old little girl that was my best friend's little girl. And, and it was on a Sunday morning, and she called me, and she said, Miss Penny, why weren't you in church this morning? And I said, oh, I said, I had to work today. And, um, and she said, I said, was church good? And she goes, oh, Miss Penny, it was awesome. I said, it was? I said, what did they talk about? And I had found out I was pregnant the day before. And she said, Miss Penny, she said, they were telling us what an incredible blessing children are and that they're a gift from God. And he gives you children because he loves you. And I said, really? And I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty intense. So needless to say, my blessing's sitting over there. And God loved me, and he never forsaked me, shook me. And you know what? She's 15 years old. And there are things that people have said and done, and I've been called names, and I've been labeled. You know, you could label me as abused. You could label me as a murderer. You could label me as a victim. You could label me as a single mom. That's the big one right there. That's the one I love. But you know what? <laughs> I've been told I'm worthless. I've been told I'm pathetic and stupid. Okay? In 2013, I did meet a man, a Christian man. I got married. And two days into the marriage, the light switch went on. And he was nothing short of the most abusive man I've ever met and encountered in my life. Verbally, physically, mentally, he hurt me. He hurt my child. I was with him for two months and five days, the same time frame that I left her father. And we ran for our lives two months and five days later. And... I thought, Lord, what are you doing to me? I'm like, I can't take much more. Well, but I did, and I took a lot more. I sometimes wonder how I'm standing here because I've had 13 surgeries, and I don't really have any organs left in my body. I mean, I'm, I'm running on much nothing, trust me. <laughs> and that's God in itself. Um, and I'm like, Lord, what is up, you know? So we regroup, moved one more time. I have my daughter, you know, and I'm like, okay. And then last year, nine months ago, the big C came to see me. And that was cancer. So I'm like, okay, all right, we got this. Look at all these other things we've done, God. Look what all these other things I have survived with you. And <laughs> I'm cancer-free, too. Amen. But that didn't come without scars. And I stand in the mirror sometimes, and I look at my left leg, where there's a scar from here to here. And I think, yep, I've been branded. 
you know what? And I am owned. And you know what? You know who owns me? God owns me. And I have been branded. And you know what? Through it all, he has protected me. He has kept me. <laughs> he has filled me when the light's gone out time after time after time. That Holy Spirit is my friend. He comes in. And you know, <laughs> we talk about this. This has kind of come up lately about surrounding yourself with people that you want to be like. And my mom, over like, I don't know, the last 10 years, she's like, man, you have lost your joy. I'm like, you think? I'm like, I got a few reasons. You think? You don't even know all the reasons, mama. Let me just tell you, I have lost my joy. And God so blessed me. <laughs> because when I wasn't expecting it, he gave me back my joy. He gave me the victory. And he surrounded me with some people who have joy in their lives, who fill me, who encourage me, who keep me. That's important. You know, I thought about, you know, all those labels all my life. And I thought, wow, this is just not cool. You know, because when you put single mom across me, you know, I don't go up to Allie and Brittany and say, oh, you're the married mom. You're a married mom. No, single mom is the one with the stigma. I'm a very successful woman. I have endured much. I have a fabulous career. We lack for nothing. We give it all back because he's given it to us. You know, he may own me, but I owe him everything. And, you know, his protection is so incredible because there's so many days and so many times when I could be dead right now, and I know it. I know, I mean, I've thought about jumping off the bridge, tell, let me tell you, with a teenager, mm, it happens all the time. <laughs> but, you know, he gave us a scripture, and I love Paul. Oh, I would marry Paul probably if I could. Anyway, um, <laughs> in 2 Corinthians, he says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He guaranteed something. He guaranteed the Holy Spirit. And that's what I have. That's what gets me up every day. That's what keeps me going every day, is knowing that that Holy Spirit lives in me and breathes through me. 
okay? And I, there's just a sweet fragrance that comes with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I look at all the candles, and each one has a label, you know, it, it tells what kind it is, and, and I thought, Lord, you know, I'm really not a big candle person. You know, it's not what I like. It's not what I have a whole lot of in my house. And, but I really do have a love for sweet fragrances. And I said, Lord, you have been that sweet fragrance in my life. I've not needed a candle. You know, you're what fills me. You know, your Holy Spirit is what guides me and covers me. And, and I just want that fragrance to be upon me. And I want that, the knowledge of Christ, to be the fragrance that God smells. Okay? And he talks about that in 2 Corinthians. And you need to get in there and read that. Because it is the knowledge of Christ that is the aroma that God loves. I, I don't have much else to say. But if you have labels that have been placed upon you in your life, you need to rip them off because you've been branded by Christ. And that's the only label. That's the only marking that you need to have on your body. And I know as a mother that I've not always been the kindest mother. <laughs> I get mean. I get ugly. I, I yell, you know, at my daughter. But all I want her to ever know is Christ and Christ's love and that he is the only label she ever needs to have. Not anything that I can put on her or anything the world puts on us. You know, the, the world puts labels on us and judges us, but God brands us. And I want you to go home with God branded on your heart. Not anything of the world. You know, we love you here, and I have never been in a place where there's such an incredible family. And you don't have to be alone here. You don't have to be another label. Because here, you're family. We're your family. We pray for you. You know, you can call us. But most importantly, we want you to come and be a part of God's family. And if that is not something that you know, if that's not something you're comfortable with, or you've let the world put a label on you that shouldn't be there, Come on, give it up. Be branded for Christ. Fill yourself with the word. 
You know, people say to me, you could write a book. And I say, why would I write a book? It's just another story. This is the greatest story ever told. There's no other book that ever needs to be written. If you don't know these stories, come on. These were the stories that got me through. This is a piece of me. And it should be a piece of each of you. So if there's anyone here who needs freedom from what the world has placed upon you, Come on. We invite you right now to come because we want to pray for you. We want the Lord to set you free. We want you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We want you to be full of joy. Because this is a time to live, this is a time to celebrate, this is not a time to mourn. Okay? I'm going to give this back to Christy. And happy Mother's Day. Amen. Why don't you stand with me, please, today? Everybody's standing. This whole last week, I've known that this time right now, this moment right now, this minute, this is, this is the minute that God has designed for this entire day, for this minute. There's somebody in this room that you just need. Maybe you don't know the Jesus that we've been talking about in the personal way that we've talked about it. Maybe you, maybe you need whatever that is, that moment. And I, I do, I, I, I'm with Penny. We open up these altars for you this morning. And there's somebody else I want to come. I, I just really strongly feel this in my heart all morning. There's a lot of babies that are represented in this room that are in heaven. There's a lot of babies in this room that have gone to heaven before they were born with abortion, with miscarriages. And you know, sometimes we don't talk about that. But let me just tell you, it's a part of life. It's a part of, of where we're at. And I never, 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 never want to embarrass. I, I, I'm not, that's not who, what this is all about. But I so feel like it's an honoring today to the babies that are already with Jesus. Is that... Is that right? Am I right? You're shaking your head, yes. Um, I'm not sure how I want to do this because I don't want to. Let me tell you this. Everybody who's had a baby, I want you down front. How about if we do it that way? Good? Okay. Everybody who's had a baby, I want you down front. We're going to end the service this way. And I, I promise we're almost done. 
Come on, ladies, squeeze on down. Everybody who's had a baby. There's probably a lot of miscarriages represented in these moms, in these women. For those of you that are out there that you don't have a baby per se, but you've got babies in heaven, okay, you're part of that. Come on. Everybody down here? Now, I want you to link arms because we're all together. We're doing this thing together. Link arms with each other. You see, God has, God has a plan for every single one of us. He has a plan. And he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. God's going to do it again. And it's going to be with all of us. Because his plan works. And there is joy. There is peace. There is strength. There is a backbone that will not bend. There is a mama who stands in the gap for her children. For those that are in need. And so I pray today. I pray blessing on all of you. I pray that God would absolutely touch your life. I pray that you would be totally strengthened with who God is. I pray that everything that he is would be saturated in your life. I pray that if you need peace today, I pray his peace would absolutely surround you and, and, and just totally take himself in you today. Father God, I thank you for these women. I thank you, Lord, for every one of them has their own story. And God, today, I give you every one of their stories today. That God, that you would use them in a mighty and powerful way. Oh, I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Jesus, for all that you are. All that you are, Lord. I thank you today for these moms. In your precious name.